All right, so good evening, good afternoon, good morning, um, whatever time you're going to be listening to this. This is Batel speaking, and I'm so excited to have in our midst, Mr. Ayokunu Ojeni. And we're going to be discussing Series 3. Um, I'm really excited because um, he's one of the most respected people in this conversation, and it's so great to have him here. You know, he's one of those people that you cannot easily get access to, but I feel so privileged to have him with us, you know, the first time I ever encountered uh, his brilliance was um, at um, this professionals um, program organized by Covenant. Yes, so since then I've been you know, just following him and be so excited to, I'm so excited rather to have him. Were you, part, were you part of YTV? No, I wasn't, funny enough. Um, I think I was, I think I couldn't participate because either I was still a student or some reason, maybe location, because I'm based in IFE, so I'm just always, always there but i saw that and i'm like whoa i've just been you know following and following so today we're going to be discussing series three the case and what the case outlines is a model to establish multi-stakeholder relationships and mr yakuno happens to be one of those people who has to jump on this kind of conversations for most of the work that he does and we know how we do it in the forum we have four different sections of 15 minutes each where we discuss the trivia, we discuss, we have a discourse, then we have the strategy session, and then we now have the forum. So we're going to establish some connection with Mr. Ayokunu. So, um, sir, how is, what do you do? What's your everyday job like? Um, what, what do you like to, to live your life for a day? Okay, so um, typically I work on, uh, I project manage um, the ease of doing business reforms in Nigeria. Uh, so, and also uh, serve as technical assistant in office of vice president. So, issues that bother on ease of doing business, working with states, with agencies of government, making sure that it is easier uh, to do business in Nigeria. We know the climate is very, very tough. Uh, so, my yeah. job is essentially to make business uh, MDs, Ministry of Departments and of Government to come up with uh, policies. So take for instance, we introduced visa on arrival, automated the corporate, uh, the company corporation process, wow. electronic wow. filing of taxes. So that's essentially what my work is like. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So let's jump right into the conversation, right? Um, so series three, or the Venture Missions for the Future of Africa project, mostly deal, deals with how do we combine multi-stakeholder relationships and uh, sustainable models to make sure that our undergraduate communities are more involved in the economic value creation process? So um, we would like to learn, you know, what are the complexities that you have observed or you observed as an undergraduate that impacted this work that you are doing today? Well, I mean, I thought about this question. I and I'm not sure I know how to answer. Um, but, but, but let me say this, uh, while I was in school, I just wanted to be successful, right? I, I wanted to be successful and I, and I found out that I was interested in policy um, and I thought that was very important. I mean, um, while I was in the graduate, I, I stumbled on, on one of Professor Patsutumi's books, uh, Why Nations Are Poor. Mm. And I noticed that he was, um, he, he, at that time, he was lecturing at LBS as well. And uh, his course was a social political environment of business. And mm. that, uh, that was a 
for me because I made me realize that there's, there's a social political environment in which businesses operate. And uh, if that political social environment is not, is not uh, conducive, um, it, it would have an impact on how, on the success of firms, of businesses, of individuals. And so um, that sort of puts me in a position where, where I thought about policy. And uh, even while I was in the private sector, I somehow knew that I would find myself uh, doing what I'm doing today. And so that was it. Awesome. So you talked about the social and political landscape. Um, you know, when you talk to a lot of, of uh, professionals and all of that, they, they seem to agree that the undergraduate community actually holds that potential to, to, to dramatically change our economic outlook, right? So coming from your sociopolitical perspective, what do you, how, how would you analyze that community right now and why it's not currently actively involved in that economic engine? I think for me, while I was in school, I was, I was not the typical student. Mm. I, I loved knowledge. I've always loved reading. Mm. And I was fortunate to think beyond school while I was an undergraduate. Uh, so my path out of school, my path, the path I took out of school was, uh, was a reflection of the kind of life that I lived in school. Mm. Uh, I think part of the challenges people have in school is being able to understand what, what is obtainable outside of the four walls of the campus. Mm. And uh, a lot of people are not, is, are not exposed early on. And because they are not exposed early on, it was difficult for them. It, it would be difficult to tailor your education to align with what you want to become. So there might be two people in the classroom listening to the same lecturer, mm. but they're actually going through different kind of education uh, because School doesn't impart knowledge, right? What education does within the school environment, it gives you inspiration to learn. Mm. So when you are in, it's just like you're going to a, 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 a supermarket or a, a boutique. When you are in school, the learning, the training, the instruction that you receive goes through a certain prison. And that prison is a reflection of what you want to be in life. So if you have two students, one wants to be a CEO of a bank, the other wants to be a teacher. And that's not to disparage teaching as a profession, but you'll see that they would actually go through different education because what they learn in school will go through the prism of what they want to become in life. And if that prism is not well shaped at any stage, the value of education or the, the relevance of education to what they want to become may be lost at that point. Wow, so that means from what you're saying, this happens to be one of the biggest challenges with that ecosystem, sorry about that, is that we do not have that prism that prepares people to participate actively in economic value creation. Absolutely. So, so what do you think are the contributing factors to this reality? You know, we talked about this prism, right? Is the prism something that we, you know, we, we, we grew up with or is it a function of the environmental factors? Yeah, it's a function of, it's a combination of factors. So when you, if you school abroad, for example, 
internship is is a strong part of your of your learning process. So um, at regular um, periods, probably during your break, you are required to take up internship with a, in a firm or something. So that at that stage sort of builds that level of exposure. And that's why you see typically when you see students come back from IT, they act in a different way, right? They see things differently. Their mannerisms, the way they carry themselves is quite different because they've been part of the working environment, returning to school. They know there's something bigger outside of that space. Uh, so, so the combination of uh, the educational system is not structured in a way that allows linkage between the school, between the university, and uh, between the university and the industry, right? So that linkage is missing. And uh, like someone just said, yeah, someone just said, yes, I experienced it after IT. Because when you go for IT, you, your mind just suddenly opens and you're like, there's a greater world outside it. So when you return to school, you carry yourself with some form of dif with, with, a, with a difference than what you expect. So it's a combination of factors, really. Okay, so those combination of factors. Now, the reason why this is a, a very important com um, conversation is because what we've noticed is that we have a lot of innovative young people right now that are solving problems. They are making our economic outlook better. But through this conversation, we're trying to advocate for increased participation and inclusion in that economic, in that economic ecosystem from the undergraduate level, because we believe that innovation cost for an undergraduate is way lower than for someone who is done with school. And why, why we need to understand this is, it's creating a, an opportunity gap. So let me simplify it. So you have someone who graduates from, let's say, OAU, gets a job in Lagos. His labor, his competence is adding to value created in Lagos. But while he was right there as a student of OAU, IFA is not getting better for it, aside from being him being a consumer. So what are the what are the factors that we need to quickly address to make sure that our undergraduate community you know, is able to solve these problems within their local community before they graduate? you know, in, in parentheses. So there's got to be a deliberate effort to, um, to link the university with the industry. Uh, so, I mean, you find developed world, you find professor, uh, professorial chairs endowed by, by firms. So you can find someone who is a professorial chair of maybe, um, let me say, maybe a Google professorial chair in a university you know, where the research outputs that it works on is actually beneficial to the industry. If that concept is ingrained in educational, you know, in, a, in a education, it will, be difficult, it will be easier for industries, for uh, cottage industries, for lack of a better word, for, for innovation mm -hmm. to come around, to be built around that mindset. So Palotto, for example, built laboratories in Stanford, mm. uh, you add you even have chief executives who take some time. I know from, for example, Andy, Andy Grove, who was chairman of Intel, would take some time to lecture at Stanford. So mm. that that partnership it was easy. I mean, that's why a lot, there's, um, the founders of Google could easily find fund funding through a PhD research work that we're doing. So, so once that 
but again, it's a system is not designed. So if you are not agreed abroad, for example, you are allowed to work, maybe to put in 20 hours of work in a week. Mm. To work 20 hours. In Nigeria, that's not the space. That's not the You are expected to work, to study from beginning to end, right? Yes. So, uh, so we need to look at policy and we need to look at that linkage between the town and the gang, as it is said. Mm. Wow. Awesome. Um, we're, we're going to go back to that, to that um, comment you just made uh, when we get to the strategy session because we need to learn from your experience, how the undergraduate community can actively contribute to that. But while still having this discourse, right, um, I, I made an example of, you know, talents and, um, you know, leaving their local communities where they, they acquire the skills and going to some other community. And that shows that there is an opportunity gap, right? Um, you know, I, I, there's, there's something I, I like to say that humans gravitate towards opportunity the way plants gravitate towards the sun. So, what we need to first understand what are the economic realities creating a lagos that is making lagos different from an ife or an enugu or some other parts of nigeria because we need to decentralize that lagos effect or that lagos experience so what do you think are the contributing factors to that i think i, I think in this part of the world we are not we it's almost like we are not trained to create something out of nothing. Mm. So there's a tendency to camp around something as opposed to taking a challenge, accepting the challenge of building something out of nothing. Uh, so in Lagos, by geography, nearness to the coast, uh, economic activity, it was natural for economic activities to spring around around that location. Nearest to coast, we had import-driven economy and all that. Uh, I remember my first time traveling to UAE. I was amazed how, you know, from a desert, you actually could build, create something out of nothing from that environment. So we need to say to ourselves, Okay, take for instance, um, you have Ibadan, you have people, <coughs> excuse me. So take for instance, so Ife, for example, what are the things that are likely to spring around Ife? I mean, Ife, what I was an undergraduate, Ife was one of the schools that everybody wanted to go to. Yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know if that's the same case now. <laughs> so, um, so let's say, for example, I mean, I know Ife, I think in sciences, can we actually build, um, you know, a thriving technology ecosystem, engineering ecosystem around Ife? But again, to make that happen, you probably need to think about how to sh shorten the time it will take you from to move from Ileife to Lagos. So is mm -hmm. there a road? Is there an airport? Is the road good? Right. So, um, you know, just before I came in, I was having a conversation with someone, and I said. I was reading an article by some two other professors and they were looking at, they were talking about investment, how do countries invest? And thank you very much. I'll take that cup, cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so they were saying, what, what determines, what, what determines where a country should invest in? So there are some industries mm. that if you invest in industry, it can enable six, seven, eight industries around it. 
mm-hmm. right? Whereas you can make some investments that it can only enable two, two industries. So as a country, as a, as a policy, you want to look at those, at that kind of investment. That if you, so if I want to invest in EFEC, for example, I will look at what are the things that exist in EFEC. Mm. Is there is there is there talent? Probably so. Um, is there mineral resources? Sources. There are a lot of things we need to check. So if those things are not in place, it will be difficult for that ecosystem to, to spring up. So there's got to be a deliberate pro- um, uh, deliberate policy and approach by government and by people who should to build those enablers across mm. those clusters, and that's why everybody seems to go gravitate towards Lagos, you know, because the economic opportunities are there, but we need to democratize those opportunities across the country. Awesome, awesome. Um, I, really, I really love the conversation we're having because we've dealt with the, the problem at the local level. It's, mm-hmm. it's, as you said, it's about the enabling environment, right? And then we've dealt with oh. it now on a national level. But now let's also, you know, before we go into the strategy session to give practical insights of what is our role, the undergraduate community, what can we play? Let's now understand it on a continental level, right? The question we want to answer now is, you know, there is an economic narrative about Nigeria, right? And its economic value creation system. What do you think are the biggest contributors to that that has made us the giant of Africa, you know, there, there is, there is, okay, you know, I, I feel like that that comment is, you know, in the past now, but you know, let's still let's still use it. Um, we want to understand how did we even achieve that narrative, and why have we, why is it now dwindled? Why is it no more a reality for us? Right? Is it because you know most times people will say, oh, it's because we have so much consumers, but do consumers actually define the economic potential of any um, of any nation? Well, I think, um, so if you're talking about Pan-Africanism and the role Nigeria played, um, I think a question of the early, the early, the 60s, the, you know, uh, African countries got independence about the same time. So in Ghana, 1959, I think, Nigeria, Tanzania, it was about the same time different countries in Africa got independence, you know, after India, um, at its own in the 40s. So that came up. So the countries emerged as independent countries about the same time. And Africa, Nigeria, you know, being a very large country in terms of population, and we had leaders who sort of were, were outstanding, you know, and all of that. But, but again, you know, development is, development is not, doesn't happen by coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to be very deliberate about it and um, you've got to make the right investments. It is, and that's why I said creating something out of nothing. Hmm. Um, I'm tempted to even think about the scriptures right now. Where, where, yeah, please, please go on. <laughs> where, where the Bible says, you know, um, God will call light out of darkness. Out of darkness. Mm-hmm. So it is, that is really the creation. And that's the challenge. And that's, let me also say that to challenge those who may have given up upon Nigeria to say that if we have the mindset of creating something out of nothing, then we should know that Nigeria is, Nigeria is not a lost opportunity, right? Mm. So 
we we started growing. I mean, our population growth rate, the last time I checked, on average in the 70s was about 5.3%. And so we grew in population. But population can be, can be an albatross if the right investment is not made. You know, I was talking with my friend yesterday, today, and I was thinking, I mean, these thoughts came to my mind two days ago, that all I do today is a product of my main, is a product of my brain. Like the money that I generate, the investment I'm able to make today, I'm making it out of a product of my brain, right? And I thought to myself, if I'd not invested, if there's no investment in this brain, I just want to be sure that I've not lost you guys. Okay, okay. So if there's no investment in this brain, what, what would have been my loss today? Would I be able to speak to you today? Would you consider me a guest that you want to bring to your platform? So there are a lot of Nigerians today who do not, who, who lack that investment, whether the government did not invest or whether they themselves did not take it upon themselves. to make the right investment in themselves going to collapse around it. And I think that's the story of Nigeria from my own angle. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Y yes. Um, sorry, is there a problem with your network? Okay, I think, no, I think I, you're stable yeah, now. Okay, so awesome. So let's dive into the strategy session, which we are now going to, you know, also now address, you know, because what, what you've been able to establish, and I was glad that, um, you know, the articles were also able to establish this, is that the, def the defining factor for any economic outlook is when there is a creation of an even environment for value creation at whatever level it may be. So my focus is the undergraduate community because I feel that is the most un untapped resource that we have right now if I go to unlock the prosperous destiny of Africa. So speaking directly to undergraduates in that community, which also now formed a faction of young people that define Africa right now, what are the practical steps we need to take to be able to create an enabling environment that is sort of independent of the government? Now, I know the government plays a huge role. That is fact. That is fact. Absolutely. But what a lot of young people don't understand is that the government has a role of facilitating policies. They are, they are not supposed to act in messiah forms, but they are supposed to hear your voice and then create, or not even, cre not even particularly create, because they have ministries for that, but to actually enact on policies that create enabling environment. So what's the role we need to play instead of waiting for the government? Thank you, very, very, very good question. Um, and before I answer this question, let me just, lay the background. In our journey towards to success, we've got to identify what we can control and what we cannot control. A whole lot of times people focus on what they don't control, they can't control. And when they focus on what they can't control, they lose the opportunities to become a success. So government policies you cannot control. And so you find a lot of people who say, because Nigeria is this way, useless country, useless government, and all of that. The things they are supposed to do, they tend not to do it, or so they essentially just lose hope. 
So I think the first and important thing is that you've got to invest in yourself. Success is impacting the world with the investment you've made in your personality. Mm. Success is impacting the world with the investment you've made in your personality. If you've not invested in yourself, there's nothing you can give the world. I was quite fortunate to have had a friend and a cousin when I was in secondary school who just loved knowledge. I uh, started reading Time magazine, early in life, you know, Economist magazine. And all throughout my days in school, I was fortunate that at that time, the university gave us 120 hours of internet time, airtime, as an undergraduate. So Peter, I think we paid 2000 for it as an undergraduate. So we had 120 hours. And for me, I was fortunate. I just loved surfing, surfing the net, and I would just read all sorts. And I was just reading. I didn't even know what I would do with that knowledge, but I was just reading. So I became an encyclopedia of some sort. Um, some of my colleagues wouldn't use their time. I would take their time. I was just reading up, reading up. And so today, I work on economic policy, making sure that there's an enabling environment for businesses in Nigeria. Well, think about it. My previous job, my, my before now, I was working in the tech environment. I worked with a Fortune 500 company, built data warehouses for telcos in Nigeria and abroad. But I was able to move into economic policy because of that investment that I put in myself, which I didn't even know that this is the way it would be useful. So if there's one thing I want to tell undergraduates, you've got to read, and not just read, you've got to not love, love knowledge. Okay, someone says I can't, they can't hear me. So as an undergraduate, You've got to love to read. And when I say reading, I'm not saying reading school books. So while I was an undergraduate, as much as I read school books, I read autobiographies. I read Mandela's autobiography while I was an undergraduate. I read um, uh, Losing My Virginity from Richard Branson. And you know how I read those books? I grew up in Ibadan. So in front of University of Ibadan, yes, in front of University of Ibadan, you would have fairly used books. They still failing. I would just go and buy those books and I would just devour it. I read from Third World to Force, Link When You, about Singapore while I was an undergraduate. One thing about knowledge is that you don't know when it's changing you. But one day you say something and you surprise yourself that, was I the one that just said that? Right? You were shocked that you are speaking that way. And God has a way. And that's why I was talking about the things you can, focus, the things you can control. The things you can control, oftentimes, faith and God as a way of controlling those things. The opportunities will come your way that will match the knowledge and investment you've made in yourself. And once, those, once your preparation faith meets opportunity, which is entirely God and faith to create, the chemistry, the, chem the chemical component is, is set. Essentially. So that's what I think that people need to do. Wow. So that means we need to be intentional about how we position ourselves for opportunities. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, second question we would like to ask is, okay, so we take your advice. We make ourselves better. Um, we start reading more books. We get more exposed. We're able to drive conversation with stakeholders. In the creation of this enabling environment, what, what processes do we need to get involved in? So I think um, 
you know, if, if you need to go, if you need to get to, if I need to get out of this room that I am in, there's only one door leading to this room. If there's a lion at that door, standing at that door, what will make me go by that door is the desire is my desire is if I have a strong desire if what is behind that door is strong enough to motivate me to go above the obstacle that is on my way. So in other words an obstacle is what a man sees when he loses focus on his goal. That's not to say that that's not to say that there are no obstacles but the desire to achieve what is behind that obstacle must be strong enough for you to scale that obstacle. So I remember when I was in school, I schooled in a prayer footer, but I didn't, I mean, my first time in Lagos was, at, was as an undergraduate and I left Akure for a conference in Lagos. Um, I mean, I'll just leave school 6 a.m. in the morning, go by road to Akure. My first time on the island was 2000 and, what year was this? 2005 or 2006, right? So I would just go attended conferences, was a student member of Nigeria Internet Group, started meeting people. I had a concept of what life outside school was. And those things just changed me. Changing in the sense that if you identify what you want, you've got to go for it. So if you need to, you know, when I was in primary school, when I was in secondary school, I was pretty close to a particular girl. I always a medical doctor in the US right now. But I wasn't dating her, but she was, she was one of the prettiest girls in school. Yeah, I had guys who wanted to, who were trying to chai car, and for some reasons they could not. They were not friends. I mean, they were not friends, but I was just friends with them. And I was the scruff, one of the scruffiest in school. Like, I didn't pay attention to all my dressing and all of those things, but I was nevertheless close to this girl. And I realized that she's a smart girl, right? And I kind of was smart in school. So while some of my classmates would spend a lot of money buying the, the best of shoes, I remember when I was in school, there was this Nike. Nike footwear, all conditioner gear, right? That was, that was sold for thousands. You know, guys would invest on their, on their personal, on their personal, on their, um, on their dressing as a means of attracting girls. But I found myself that I was close to the girls, even though I had nothing to do with them. But I was close to the girls just because I had something upstairs. That had a way of shaping my outlook in life. So while I was in school, I didn't pay attention so much on my outward looks, as important as those, as important as it is. I just gave all of my attention to investment in myself. And I think today, if you met any of my, if you happen to meet any of my classmates, they won't be surprised at where I am today. The only thing that will be surprising to them is how I got here. But they won't be surprised because they kind of knew the kind of life that I. So what am I trying to say? You need to have a sense of where you want to go. See, my best friend, who is also my cousin, was the first person that I knew had an Ivy League education. Um, he had a first class from UI. 
And he just made up his mind I was going to go to Stanford. So while before me, I even knew anything about Ivy League education, 2009, barely a year out, barely two years out of school, he got his admission to Stanford MBA. And of course, today he's an investment banker. He worked in four or five countries. So he's an example of being deliberate, right? And, um, and um, you know, he studied computer science, but today he's an investment banker in one of the top private equity firms in the world. So if you knew, but, but Chill was, was single-minded. So if, you're, if your eye is single, your body will be full of light, you've got to make sure that you beat the distractions. And so if you really want to succeed in life, go for what will make you succeed. Leave the distractions. So today, many of my mates reach out to me. People try, I mean, by virtue of the work that I do today, but for many years, people didn't know where I was. I was somewhere in the backside of the desert. But when things began to show, when evidence started showing of the kind of investments people gravitated towards. So in a nutshell, I think life is not complex. Hello? Hello? Yes, I think you're okay, back now. I just it's 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 breaking okay. a little. It's breaking a little, but uh, we can hear you now. Okay, great. So, in a nutshell, without taking much time, I just think you need to figure out where you want to go in life and give everything to it. If you throw everything at it, life is not as difficult as people think. It would it would eventually happen. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. So, um, you know, it was great learning that um, as a community, we need to have that desire first um and then once we establish what we want you know, sorry, okay. sorry 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 for buttoning you know there were times that i would leave i remember when i wanted to go for a conference as an undergraduate in lagos i didn't have anywhere to sleep in lagos i got to lagos at night slept in a cyber cafe got pure water the following morning washed my face just to be able to attend this conference right and some of the relationships I built at that time are the relationships that I, I rely on today. So you just have to decide, what is this time of my life for? Is it a time for me to flex? Or is it a time for me to make the investment so that I can flex later on? So you just got to, it's a trade-off. You've got to be intentional about it. You've got, see, there's time for, there is a time for everything. It doesn't say there is time for everything. There is a time. So you've got to ask yourself, this time of my life, what is it for? If you're in your early 20s and you want to make money, probably that's not the time for you to make money. Probably that's the time for you to lay the foundation and make an investment. So if you're trying to chase money in a way that would be detrimental to, your, to you investing in yourself, then you know you're doing the wrong thing. You're doing the right thing at the wrong time. Wow. So... Focus and desire and making sure that we are making the right investments per time. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. I like that you are attacking these questions from a value approach. So let us head on into the last um, question for this segment before we have the forum, you know, this strategy session is, you know, when we are trying to build an enabling environment within our communities to make sure that you know, people who can create value amongst us can actually create value. We will need to build relationships with people in government. We need to build relationships with people 
who run our schools, the administrative departments and all of that. So talking about values, how do we establish the right values that can drive the right relationships towards creating enabling environments within our undergraduate communities? So values, it's a, it's a strange word. It's a strange word in, in, in our country because I don't think people believe in values anymore. Um, but see, your value system is like a compass. And you know, when you are, when you, you've got to believe in what you're doing. Don't be good because somebody tells you to be good. Don't be a man of integrity because somebody says you should be integrity. You should be a man of integrity. Be a man of integrity because you believe in integrity. And the reason why that is important is because there will be situations. I mean, I sit as a need of the vice president. I, I see things happen around government. I mean, I've had people walk up to me to tell me, I want to be your legacy after this, after this role. You almost think the legacy is what will I do? The legacy they are talking about is what will I take for myself? So, and sometimes you look stupid, right? And as I said, you've got to believe in what it is. But, but essentially relationship, I read a book by Professor Rosa Beth Moskanta. And she spoke about three C's. I read this book while I was in school. She spoke about competence, connection, and character. A whole lot of times, people don't focus on the three. So you find people who are knowledgeable at times, but they don't build the right relationships, right? And so, okay. While I was in my current job, this current role, seven months into it, I got an offer. For you guys, it might be small money, but, but at that time of my life, it wasn't small money. I got an offer of 35 million naira per annum job uh, with one of the top. <laughs> and that's <was> small money. <laughs> okay, please go on. So with one of the tech companies. But guess what? I had this interview just the I was talking to you just in the office, captured. That, that community is a small community that, of course, I turned out the job. That's why I'm still here today. Uh, but... There's a small community where information comes around that they will not advertise it. But if you're part of that community, if you build that connection and they know you for a man of integrity, a man that is competent. For example, now, I mean, if, if I need a job offer tomorrow, I'm going to get one. I have, you know, I've, I remember sometimes last year, Google invited me for, to come speak at an event in Washington, D.C., organized by Google and World Bank. How did I get that gig? There was a time Google was working on, on Wi-Fi at universities. They had one in Unilag. They had one at the malls in Lagos. And I was the one driving that process. I was just professional about my work. I didn't ask for anything. I was professional. And the Google head of policy for West Africa just looked at me and said, she was surprised that there was someone like that in government who just kept to the work. They didn't ask for anything. It was just professional. I'll get to meetings on time. You know, and I was invited to come speak. So I have a way that I've proven that these things, there will be a reward for it as long as you do it for the right things. So relationships are important, but build a relationship. Always think of the long term. Don't think about, let me give you a personal example. My first job was at, as a Randolph, my first job was at Faith Foundation. 
And I worked at Faith Foundation because I liked the board. The board attracted me, was attracted to me. For like, he had at that time three bank entities on that board. So I decided to volunteer with them. While I was there, there was a problem with, with their email system. This was 2008 when internet wasn't widespread and website was still a very big thing. Anyways, I was able to solve that problem. But to solve that problem, I had to pretend I was the person who registered the domain name. So I had to pretend I was that person, sent an email as though I was that person. But thankfully, I carried my boss along because they could not reach out to the person. They didn't know where the person was. Anyways, two years after, I was working with a former bank MD. I submitted my report. The person he called to review my job happens to be that person that I pretended I, I was the person. But thankfully, I carried my boss along. That was what saved me. Imagine if I had done that and he saw my name. This guy's a criminal. That's what he would have said. And I would have lost that beautiful opportunity. So think of relationships in long term. Invest in it. And um, I think things will, things will eventually work out. All right. Wow. Thank you so much for giving us those key things will do because one thing that we we hope to do um you know as leaders in during this project is that you know when we've applied all of the things you've shared with us when we are able to craft the one thing we want to focus on to make sure we can make the undergraduates uh, community more economically friendly you know where investors can can look and say oh wow if there are students who can solve problems are ready to give you money um are ready to 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 collaborate with you to work on policies and all of that these three c's are going to position us to maximize that thank you so much for sharing that with us so on the last segment uh, we always have the forum because um, i believe in the power of one right so if there is any one thing that the undergraduate community across Africa, across Nigeria, right now, should be thinking or doing to facilitate these multi-stakeholder relationships, to build that enabling environment for value creation, what should that one thing be? So I think, first of all, I've, I've spoken about knowledge, our knowledge, I mean, you just be, so today, you know, I write memos for the VP writer's speeches, I presented last year, I presented before at least five governors across the country and I'm in my early thirties. Um, it's just the investment, right? Mm -hmm. Then you've got to believe in God because God takes care of those things you cannot control. You've got to believe in something to take care of those things you cannot control so that the opportunities will meet up with your preparations. Then importantly, you've got to make a habit out of, you've got to build a habit out of things that will make people successful. And that's why I love reading autobiographies, autobiographies, because autobiographies tell me what this person did. And I believe if I can do this thing, I'll be able to replicate that success in my life. You've got to build a habit about it. And why is, why is it important to build a habit? The things that are important in life, are things that come out of your subconscious that you do are unconscious. Mm. 
your breath, you don't, you don't breathe consciously. Your heart beats, not consciously. It's an unconscious thing. If you were, un, if you were consciously done, people would have died because they would have forgotten to breathe. Mm, to breathe. Somebody would have distracted them, right? So that's why you've got to build a routine for success. And you've got to build it in a way that it becomes, it now becomes a natural flow out of you that you just can't help but do. So for example, today I do a lot of writing, not writing like public writing, but writing memos. Sometimes before the VP goes for Federal Executive Council, I have to look at the memo and if it has to do with these things, there's a certain things, I have to write a brief, you know, I do all of that. But the soft skills, I knew how to write through reading. Today, I read Economist magazine every week so that I can have a global view of what the world is. I, 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 I mean, so there's certain things that I've done, I now do arbitrarily. That, so if you call me to come and speak about anything, I'm almost sure that I have something to say. All right? So, and, so you've got to build a habit of success. So if you don't like reading autobiographies, I challenge you to read. So if there's somebody you like to be like, read a book about him. I read about Bill Clinton because I'm going to run, I'm going to be in office, be at a senior role later on. I read about him autobiography much, much earlier. So you've just got to do this kind of investment. I believe that if you do those things, so you've got to add to your faith, if you're a faith person, knowledge and to knowledge temperance and temperance. to knowledge kindness. So it's not enough to just have faith in God. You've got to go an extra mile by investing in yourself. If you can do this, I can give you a money back guarantee. The life has a way of attracting what success is first of all internal. It gets to a point that you've loaded when the clouds will full of rain, they empty themselves. If you've built this investment in you, it will get to a point it would attract what it requires on the outside. All right. Awesome. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much. Um, okay. We, we actually still have about 10 to 15 minutes. So I have one very interesting question. I'm, in, I'm enjoying my time. Awesome. Awesome. So now I want us to actually talk one very technical talk, right? Um, I've been observing how you've been responding to the questions and I was, I was actually expecting the responses to be technical, but I like that most of them are value-based, so they apply within any context that we'll find ourselves when we are trailing this, this path. So I, I love that I just mentioned, you know, that, you know, you might still be in a senior role. So help us understand how do governments, how do stakeholders within this economic value chain, how do they actually create enabling environments? So, uh, so government, working in government sometimes is like you're working with strange bedfellows. Mm. People have different reasons why they are doing what they're doing. So there is often a need for you to collaborate. So take, for instance, the recently passed Company Allied Matters Act. My colleagues and I worked on it. Um, 
and I, I was very much involved in the process. Getting all the stakeholders, um, the president was supposed to sign it last year. It, it withheld his accent because some other stakeholders said, no, there's this provision that you needed that you shouldn't allow this to be signed, right? So oftentimes, and I think that's why we need an active civil society because is it that the government on the inside comes up with the idea or comes up with the policy or policy can be shaped by external uh, things, by you know, protests, by citizens getting more active. Case in point, my post decision, for example, was reversed because there was an outrage on Twitter. So there's got to be an active, uh, active private quarter because oftentimes also those in government there's sharpness of attention because there are a lot of issues being tracked so to have the mind to make sure that that issue is top of mind for that person sometimes you need to move mount spirit. so i think for students for young people we need to better organize ourselves if we organize ourselves we can sort of influence policy on the outside, make noise, engage uh, policymakers. But, but the truth is that government is so large that the character of government is often formed by the character of the majority. So if you have just a few people, a few good ends, and my own preoccupation now is to get as many good people into government, because I've seen it, and I realized that you just be a lonely, it's difficult to fight for good things, if you are a learning voice mm. in the wilderness. It's mm. easier when people that you share the same outlook, you wouldn't have to spend so much time trying to convince someone why you need to do this because you guys ultimately sing from the same inbook. Wow. So our major role is to get active and focus on shaping and influencing um, um, policies. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. But one one challenge that we've we've noticed with getting people active and involved is like the same problem with the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Now, I love that you've expressly said over and over again that we need to actually consciously invest in knowledge about the things that most matter to the outcomes that you know we care about. But how do we? Is there a way for us to simplify the process? See, the reason why people okay. I don't see it as a generalist comment, but one reason I feel people are not very active in policy shaping process is that people do not even understand policy and they do not understand how policies are shaped, organized, implemented, formulated, and how they are even um, enacted upon to get an outcome. Yeah. So how do we, sh- is there a way we can bridge that gap within our community Right. As you said, let's say there's a way, you know, we unlock, we unlock a way to organize ourselves around one common vision and present it as a policy idea. How do we get to bridge that gap where we cannot get everybody along? So let me make it practical for you. Sorry, before you respond. So after this series of conversations where we invite um, um, stakeholders like you to come learn insights into your work and how we can best position ourselves to, ex- to exploit whatever opportunities for collaboration or working together might present itself. We are also going to have a nationwide policy campaign, right? For how, for, for, for government to, for, for policies that actually help us create an enabling environment for value creation 
within our campuses. So how do we make that process so simple that it connects to what the government wants and what we also want as an outcome? Thank you, Tony. Can you quickly share? Is it possible that I can share my screen? I just want to show you, show you guys something before I forget. Okay, let me, let me see. Let me quickly make you um, a host. Let me okay. make you the host. Okay. So, so while I wait for that, I mean, um, just... Yes, we okay. the host. Thank you, thank you. Because I'm interested in... Because um, I'm interested in policies. I just want to show you something I'm working on with a few people. Uh, can you guys see my screen? Yes, we can. Yes. So, so there's actually a policy competition going on right now. And it's for undergraduates, actually. Uh, and so the topic we are looking at is, um, for this particular one, is, is on um, improving the quality of tertiary education in Nigeria. And I think uh, since a number of people here, they are undergraduates, I think that you can take an opportunity to check it out. Um, uh, so I'm the one driving this. It's a personal project, and I got a few people to, to just work on. So there are 12, we still have 12 days for submission. Uh, so I'll stop sharing my screen so I can answer your question. Okay. I just didn't want to that. Right, so practical ways. One, you've got to be able to articulate your policy. What do you want to change? Mm. And you've got to be knowledgeable about it. You've got to know the manifold issues because there are many sides to, it, to an issue. And you must be able to articulate these different views. One way, if it's, if it's a legislation that you want to change, you probably need to find a sponsor in the National Assembly. That sponsor could be one lawmaker, one House of Reps member, one senator, because there's got to be somebody inside that can, um, that can, one minute, please. Okay. So you've got to find someone, someone on the inside, someone on the inside that would own this reform, own this reform and you know, drive it. Sometimes you might need to make a lot of noise, like what they did with um, Not Too Young to Run. There was a campaign around it. But at the same time, they had someone in the, in the House of Assembly, in the House of, House of Reps that sort of sponsored that bill. So if it's a way of legislation, you always have to go to the National Assembly. If it is true or that way, look at SARS. What made SARS, the pronouncement that the pre Vice President made while he was acting president, was a lot of campaign, social media campaign, you know, just making sure that it is sustained, sustained, sustained. And sometimes when you do that, People in the private, people in the public uh, sector, yes. So somebody asks, is, there, is it that we can't have private enabling environment outside of government? It depends on the enabling environment that you are, that you are talking about. One of the reasons why I'm interested in policy, if you have a billionaire, take for instance, you have a Bill Gates, who says, I have $2 billion that I want to invest in education. Oftentimes, Bill Gates would always require someone in policy to be able uh, to be able to do what he wants to do. Without without someone, I can see my connection is unstable. Okay, I think I'm back now. Without someone 
Um, yeah. So, so policy, whereas the decision of the, of the education minister in terms of whether you have a 6334 or you have 6914 educational system or the priorities he has in terms of the funding that comes to the ministries. Do I want to prioritize research or do I want to prioritize learning? Policy is the instrument by which government does what it wants to do. So the reason why government has an important role uh, is because if you want to scale changes, if you want to make a, a progress, significant progress at scale, you need government. But that's not to say that if government is not cooperative, we cannot start out the journey. Mm. Um, and we can start out, but we need to also know that ultimately you've got to get involved in government because that is the recognized authority that we as citizens have um, subscribed onto that can take certain decisions on our behalf. Uh, so while we can navigate our ways outside of the government, it's very important also that we make sure that we get an hold on to the apparatus of government. Why don't a lot of people engage? It's because sometimes people think it's a waste of time. All right. Mm. And I think that's really the problem with a lot of Nigerians. Uh, you know, sometimes, I'm, I mean, I'm quite, I share a few, video, a few of my few videos, few thoughts on Instagram. I've had a few people reach out to me and say, you know what, why? It's why? six o'clock. Sorry. So I have a lot of people who reach out to me and say, you know, why, why are you doing this? Why are you involved in all of this? Why, you know, and I tell them, you know what, I, I, be, I do it. I'm doing this because it's important for us to do it. And I believe that there are 7,000 pe people who have not bowed down to the, to the idol that is, that, <laughs> to the proverbial idol. Uh, so, so we've got to keep engaging. And the reason I'm in the public sector, I mean, I was in, I was being paid in dollars in my private, in my previous job, but I decided to do this because I wanted to understand policy. And mm. uh, I may go back to the private sector after the next one year, I don't know. Uh, but because I think that I'm, I'm quite comfortable in that space, I've gained quite significant knowledge in what I'm doing now, but we just need to always get involved. Right. And we've got to believe, I mean, I can tell you how I got into government. I didn't know anybody, not one single person, not mm. one single person at all. Uh, so I was working on, a, on an app. I just thought that it was important for people to be able to, to, I mean, I don't have time, but I would have told you the story, but I didn't know anybody in government. Oh, sir, do you mean you don't have time or you mean our time is okay, already... Okay, 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 then I take it that you want me to say it. So... Okay, yes, sir. So, I'm sorry, sir. So, please, just so we can have, you know, two packages in one before you leave, can you tell us how you got into government? I think that's the story that really inspires us. But also, secondly, right, is, you know, let's say we're taking your advice to, to stay active. You know, we get active, we get involved, we make our voices heard. What do you think is, I think it's this, let's make it personal. Let's, let's get your secret sauce. What do you think is your secret sauce for staying even when the odds make it look like we might not get our, our, our outcome? So the story of your getting into governance and then what's your secret I'll sauce start for staying? That story. I, one day, my, I mean, my, phone, my phone got bad. So I, decided, so I asked a junior colleague of mine to accompany me to Sakatinobu in Victoria Lines to buy a new phone. And so while we're driving there, I just asked him, what was your student project like? Or what did you focus on? And he told me, you know, he worked on 
Uh, what did it work? It worked on a public, a complete system for that, for undergraduates. So I said to myself, ah, you know, oh, so this could actually be useful for the country. Like, we can actually have a complaint system, right? And so I decided that it was going to be something I wanted to work on. So I decided to work on it within as a private project, not knowing whether I knew anybody in government that would use the app. This was September 2016. Then fast forward to May 2017. The vice president was speaking at a program called Platform, the Platform. Workers Day 2017. And I was I was I was in the audience that day. And 39 minutes into his speech. It was like, you know, the federal government, the Presidential Enabling Business Environment Council wants to organize a hackathon, and the hackathon will focus on a public complaint system. Right? So when I heard that, a friend of mine, wow. yeah, a friend of mine who knew what I was doing, just chatted me up and said, Do you hear what the vice president? I said, Yeah, I just I did it. I just started it. So I decided to download the speech, the, the recording, just to be sure I heard right. And so, but because I had worked on it for a few months, I sort of had a head study. But again, competition, I was working with, with, with the Global Fortune 500. And I thought, do I want to participate in hackathon? Hackathons are usually for young, young but So I spoke with a, a friend, a senior friend of mine, Chika Wodi. And I asked him, I said, Chika, what do you think? Chika said, I, you don't know anybody in government. This might just be your opportunity, right? So I decided to participate in the hackathon. It was a two-day event. The first day, the person who is my immediate boss now, who is a special advisor on his of doing business, uh, Dr. Dwale, she was one that declared the event open. And I just walked up to her and I said, you know, I'd like to do an unpaid internship with you guys. Um, you know, just one month, I'd like to do an unpaid internship. And she was like, oh, really? So she gave me a card. And the competition continued. So the following day, when the, when the winner was announced, of course I won. And when I won, she was like, are you sure you just want to do an unpaid internship? What about working with us? And at that time, I was already set. I just knew it was time for me to leave Dell. And so I joined, and that's how I moved to Abuja and started working, working. Of course, I didn't become the aide of the vice president um, at the time, but you know, I came in as a technology lead. Uh, working CSC, make sure CSC does some automation, visa and IRA process. But over time, um, my work became visible and then realized that I had other skill sets. And one Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, I got a call that uh, we made a technical assistance to the vice president. And that was it. So I didn't know anybody. Wow. So there are a lot of people who believe that you've got to know people. And today, of course, I mean, I enter Villa like I enter the state house because that's my office. But there are a lot of people who believe that you've got to know people before you get things done. So your belief shapes your outcome. If you're one of those people mm. that you've got to, you must know someone, right? Some people don't even apply for certain gigs, for certain jobs, because they say, ah, they already know the people they want to take, all right? But, you know, this is me. I applied. I didn't know anybody. And... Today, I've, I mean, I'm the, I'm the most, I'm the, I'm the second person when it comes to ease of doing business. After the special advisor, I'm the next person on ease of doing business in the country. I've, I've been across the country interacting with ministers, 
you know, and you know, so so it, your belief shapes your 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 outcomes. So that's been my journey essentially. Uh, and I always and that's why I believe that you know, see, there's a, there's a challenge of leadership, and you've got to accept that challenge. So you find people who say, you know what? Why do you believe in Nigeria? when this country hasn't done something for, for you. So I always tell people, how do we break the cycle? Nigeria has not done anything for me. So because Nigeria has not done anything for me, I, can, I, must not, I can't do anything for Nigeria. It means that my own children, too, if I'm not careful, will come up and say, because of course, if I don't do something about Nigeria today, Nigeria will also not do something for them. So when will the cycle end? That's one. Two is that you've also got to accept the leader, the challenge of leadership, that you are responsible. Mm. You are not in Nigerian by accident. There must be, there must be a reason why you're Nigerian, right? And see, if you think like a leader, leaders and followers don't think the same way. And so let me give you, as I, as I round off this, this portion of it. Um, you know, you can let, so you find people who say, uh, Nigerians, the people have not eaten, the people that have not eaten that you want to tell them to have vision. So people tend to legitimize the quest for food to the detriment of vision. And it's understandable. But that kind of mindset is not for leaders. Leaders, in spite of the personal feeling around them, must be able to see through the inner eyes what lies ahead mm. and refuse to recognize the limitations of today and reach out for what lies ahead. Because if you are not a man of wow. vision, you cannot go beyond your present limitation. Wow. So to people who are in kindergarten, we tell them, you know, you've got to get food for get. So to people who are in kindergarten. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Okay. Can you guys hear me now? I thought I was momentarily lost. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay. Breaking. Because, right. uh, I think you're, you're stabilizing now. Okay. Stabilizing now. So, so I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to continue. So I said, so for those in class one in kindergarten, we'll tell them, you know, get food first. You know, food is the immediate priority. They're like Esau, who, you know, because mm. of their present appetites, they can't see the birthright and hold on to it. So we tell them, you know, well, you've got to eat first, you've got to eat first. But those who are in the mature class, we tell them, in spite of it, don't let this limitation that you see today castrate your ability to dream and to see vision. Because the single most important ingredient to getting out of your current limitation is being able to see beyond your current limitation. Right? So in nation building and in the matter called Nigeria, if we cannot see beyond today, and this is not for everybody, it's for leaders. 
if you cannot see a better Nigeria, and that's part of the failing of a country where you can't even tell what the vision of the leadership, and I'm not speaking, I'm speaking generally, what the vision of the leadership, whether it's at states, whether what, what, this, what general vision is like, what do we want to aim at? And because it's not there, people cast off the streets um, because the mm. single most important thing to get out of your present limitation is your vision. Wow, beautiful. So let's just round up. Um, in the next five minutes, we are actually budgeted just an hour and 15 minutes. So, sir, in two minutes, uh, three minutes, can you just tell us? Um, so, how do we, how do we, what's that your secret source to, to stay in power? You know, let's say, you know, we're inspired right now, we start to act in the way Mr. Ayokunu has told us, we had seen visions and all of that. When the challenges come, how do we find out? So how do we, how do we stay? How do we build staying power until we see our outcomes? Thank you. As I answer this question, please, if you have any question, I'd like to know if there's any question, you can just, just type it into the chat, chat for you. Awesome, just, okay. So, so I said earlier that you've got to do, you've got to do things because you believe in them. Hmm. Not just because they're not told you. Um, let me tell you a story. One of my very good friends, we grew up together. Well, in my final year in school, he had started making money, making a lot of it. He was, but he was making it illegally. At that time, driver's license was. Um, there were a lot of fake driver's license. So he had a machine in his house and was printing driver's license. And it was interesting that FRSC officers, you go to FRSC to do a driver's license, they will collect your details and send to you. So he was making millions, right? And bought a land, was building his house and all that. Time. And yeah, was I. And he would tell me, Ayo, this is, come in, let's do this business. I'm saying, no, because we grew up together. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. But I was making money, right? But fast forward to today, I'm in a better position financially than he is. Right? So you've got to, you've got to, be all with yourself. What does, what do I truly believe in? And I was also greatly helped by reading autobiographies. You know, I saw a man, Mandela, who 27 years was incarcerated. How come he still believed that there would be a day that South Africa will become, that apathy will be broken. 27 years in prison. So I read his autobiography from um, Long Walk to Freedom. I read about Richard Branson, how he's dyslex he has this dyslexia, you know, uh, yet he's a billionaire. So I read those stories and I realized that there's a common path. The people who succeed are not people who do not have problems. There are people who despite the challenges, make something about it. And as you grow older and you have little, little successes, those little, little successes sort of solidify your, that belief such that, you know, when you're asked to spy out the land where there are giants, uh, you return and say, you know what, 
these giants are like bread for us. Let's go up at once and possess the land. Right? So, so there's got to be a mindset. And if there's anything, your mindset has to be a mindset of victory. So every day, I'm very positive of where I want to get to in life. I know where I want to get to. And every day is part of the challenges, you know, because I realized that the way the world works is that there'll be challenges, right? There'll be challenges, but they're meant to be broken. I, I remember there was a project I was working on, how I was able to raise $300,000 for that project. I didn't know how it happened, but guess what? Because I've been able to raise $300,000, um, if I want to do a project of $500,000 now, I, I just basically do the same thing that I did, right? Uh, there are some routines, there are some things that you do. And I'm also a person of faith. And I know that athletics, and, and ultimately happens. So you must not hold, you must not just be faced by challenges. I guess there are no questions. I was hoping that it was going to be a question, but it looks like everybody's just thanking me and all that. <laughs> yes, um, I, I think the reason why, um, you know, so, okay, so, the way, so the way, okay, so continue. So square, okay. So if there's just one thing I like to say, because, because most of the people I'm talking to are young people. If you've got to leave this country, hmm. leave for the right reason. Right? Leave for the right reasons. Don't leave. Leaders are not escapees. Hmm. True leaders don't leave people to suffer. And they say, ah, Uri, you're mean. I found a opportunity to run, and I run. True leaders will think about those you left behind. Behind. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and ask questions like, what about them? So if you want to travel to Canada, travel to Australia, wherever it is, travel for the right reasons. Go and make the right investments, you know, in your education, in your career. But always be mindful of where you left. And how you, some of my best friends and closer friends are not in this country. So I'm not against people traveling, but you've got to travel for the right reasons, right? Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much for being so open and sharing so much insight with us. Um, as, I, I was, as I was trying to explain, these sessions are described to be practical so that we can learn new things and then go and apply. So don't worry, even if you don't get questions now, there are questions that will come up when we start applying these things because we believe in getting our hands dirty. You know, let's, let's, let's not stay in the clouds too much. Let's get the, the, the woo-woo stuff that get us excited, but let's put it into action. That's what we're about. So thank you so much. We've used up exactly the time we budgeted, just two minutes extra. We appreciate those, that, those two extra minutes. We had such a great time, right? Um, yes, the things we've learned today, you know, they're going to be very practical for the things that we're going to have tomorrow because um okay can you hear me sir thank you guys yes i can hear you now okay beautiful because um tomorrow we're going to have a session by 3 p.m with mrs anita defoyer and she works with um the state government of saskatchewan in canada and she's going to give giving us a global perspective on the same things that you've you've discussed with us today and so i'm sure Tomorrow is going to be impactful because of this session that you've just had with us. So thank you so much for sparing your time with us. I will specially call you. you. Um, yeah, if you, you can check. You can check my WhatsApp message, and uh, you know we we'll have we we'll have a lot of chats to still have. So thank you so much again for joining us. We hope you had thank fun. You guys. I, I did. I did. Bye bye. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Bye.